Welcome to A Bit Spursy. <laughs> That's my new intro. Uh, well, I hope you guys like it. I'm Barney. I'm Dad. <laughs> and uh, welcome back to another week, um, an eventful week as it always is with Tottenham Hotspur. We've got a win against Newcastle to talk about and other associated elements. I can't remember what my saying was, but... Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> yeah, bada bing, bada boom. Um, um, yeah. Amazing. Again, I love the um, the positive... Like, we always keep things positive um, on here, mm. or as positive as we can, um, apart from, Barney, your meltdown after the the defeats we had in a row, which is also very, 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 very warranted. Uh, but I just mm. love the buoyancy we both have where we talk after after winning a game. It's so it's just so much more fun. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fresh. I'm feeling strong. Um, I, like, I want to go into this podcast, and I'm sure you share this sentiment as well, of, um, that, you know, it was Newcastle, Newcastle are terrible, but we've been pretty terrible and we beat them <laughs> pretty convincingly. Um, so I'm taking it just on the sole fact that it was a win and I enjoyed watching it. Oh, I love all those like cliched sayings that happen regardless of who you play. Like, even if it's like the team was really bad. Yeah, but you still have to beat them out there on the pitch. Um, <laughs> so whatever of those apply, like all of those apply to this situation. And I think, before the game, I thought Newcastle weren't great just because of their results, but I hadn't really seen them play in a while. Um, mm. And apart from someone like like St. Maximin, who's like a very, very enjoyable player to watch, like he's – I wish we had him. I would love to, yeah. to have signed him. Um, but apart from that, I'm like, yeah, the rest of their squad is pretty average. But then it, mm. it took getting into this game and like after watching the whole game, I was like, oh, no, their squad is horrendous and they <laughs> could possibly be – like the worst Premier League squad and the worst Premier League team I can remember watching in recent memory, apart from maybe that year that Villa got relegated and they were just absolutely horrendous. But like mm. this Newcastle team was just, a, it, it, it's just abysmal. They're just not at Premier League level. No, they're definitely not. And I was a bit worried coming into it with the takeover having just happened that like we're the perfect team to play in that scenario. We come in, um, narrative wise, and then we just get beaten to a pulp by this terrible team who are buoyant after their uh, new ownership takeover and the uh, exiting of Mike Ashley. And it looked like that for <laughs> for the first you know minute. I was like, oh no. Well, I think before the game, we were both messaging each other like we could get smashed here. Like just because, like you said, of that narrative. Like if you had a screenwriter writing the Spurs movie, um, it it never. There's always twists and turns. And it mm. always seems like you're right. These are the sort of games that we end up slipping up on because we go in like overconfident. We don't take it seriously. We think we're above th teams like this. And then we go into a game and they just catch us off guard. And usually they catch us off guard with their effort that they put in and they just like batter us and, you know, manage to get a goal and, and there it is. But I, I, I agree with you. Like the first couple of minutes, I had the same feeling. It was like, oh, please, dear God, no. Please, mm. no. Yeah, yeah. And like the, you know, I was trying to remember a time under Nuno that we'd come back from, from being down. And I think, I think we have, though I can't think <laughs> of the example right now. But I was like, oh, can we even do this? And the positioning on that first goal, like uh, Dyer's in no man's land and Romero's sort of like near the post. Reggie has to try and deal with two different dudes. It was like a mess. It was a mess. Son didn't track back. Um, and I was like, if this is the afternoon we're going to have, uh, or rather, it's just, if this is the 2.30 in the morning that I'm going to have, I'm going to be very upset. Oh, definitely. And like, I I think on that first goal, like you're right, like there were a few things that sort of were went went wrong there, but I really do think it was just catching us off guard at the start of the game. We didn't expect, like, I think as fans, we expected them to come out and, and do that, but maybe the players didn't quite expect the Newcastle players to be that up for it at the beginning. Um, mm. and yeah, like in watching that goal again, like I think it's, it's really, to me, it's a team goal in the sense of who's at fault because there are so many people who make small mistakes. And also, yeah, I thought Son 
um, like it pains me to ever throw any criticism criticism at Son, but when you see the overlap come, like you see Son's just sort of standing there and not tracking back and then, um, you know, Reggie gets doubled up. But then also to give credit, like that was really, really good movement from Wilson in the box. Like that was sort of, that's kind of like if you're playing a video game against someone and there's just like a cheat code on and it's like mm. their player just gets to the ball. Um, like I thought the actual header itself um, was like in- incredible. Um, but leading up to it, we should have cut it off before it got to that stage. Yeah. I, I uh, want to just focus on Larice for one moment because I, he's such a good keeper that when he does let in a goal, I'm like, what? You no, what you you don't do that. No, that's not you you make some kind of diving save and, and deflect it out. No, you don't you don't concede. Um and so I end up feeling really betrayed and it it like it takes me a little bit to be like, wait a minute. It was really good movement and um our defense was kind of all over the place. So um but obviously they didn't last very long because then we came back with two very quick goals, which the first one especially, what a perler from Endon Bele. Oh, and look, we should put our hands up. We've been more critical of Endon Bele in the last few weeks than we have been previously. Like I mm-hmm. think over the history of this podcast, like we've we've been in Endon Bele's corner a lot and like he is someone mm-hmm. who gets criticized by a lot of Spurs fans and I think we've defended him quite a lot. Um, but then earlier this season in some of the performances, even our sort of defensive end was starting to, to waver a little bit because um, – we were just not seeing, you know, the, the the effort. And I know it's oversimplifying things, but, you know, you just want to see a player giving their all, especially when a team's not going well. And it just seemed like there was something still up with him. Um, mm. And also, like, you see him in a game like this and you go, okay, cool. Maybe he's just not really suited to a three-man midfield playing how Nuno had them before with sort of one back and then two um, on either, so one on either side. Um, but when he's got Skip behind him, when he's got um, Hoybier in there as well, it's like, okay, cool. Maybe Ndombele's like defensive um, inefficiencies aren't as, um, they're not as bad then. Like, and he mm. is in a freer position. Like I've always thought his better position is playing deeper because he gets on the ball and he gets out of trouble so well. And it's just, it's so amazing to watch him there. But maybe that's kind of like when he's playing in France, when he's playing in Ligue 1, when he's playing in the less physical league, he can play there and really dominate a game. But in the Premier League, having him there, especially with our team, like if you put him there in a Manchester City team, sure, fine. But in our squad, it's like, okay, he's not really able to be as effective as he could be there. So I think seeing him having, I guess, like he was doing a lot of defense work, but still having more of a free role in this one, I think really Mm. just showed that, um, yeah, him getting forward was great. And like just the finish, like the he just just put a bit of sauce on it. Like there was... um, like it was so confident. Like it, it, it's just he got the ball and it was going straight in all the time. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, they gave him so much space, and I'm. It's it's always good. I think because those things are going to happen regardless of who you play. Even really good teams, there's going to be moments where good players have space, and I think the sign of a good player is in that space. They're able to do exactly what he did, where it's just like, whoa, okay, like that. It's such a well hit ball. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. And then of course the second goal with gorgeous Pierre's, uh, <laughs> uh, gorgeous Pierre's through ball, which he was, as I said to you, I think the other day, you need to look at his stats cause he had like nine tackles and, um, oh, how many, it was like a ridiculous amount of passes completed. Um, he just was fantastic. Yeah. Um, it was it was great. And I mean, Pierre's showed this a couple of times now this season that he does have, he can play a wonderful pass through um, mm. and sort of having him playing where Skip's playing at the moment, it's it feels like it's almost wasting Pierre a little bit in there. And Skip, I mean, yeah. is obviously a much more defensively minded player and Skip does that so well. Like I think Skip does that part of the game better than Pierre does. But Pierre, I overall, a much um, better player. Um, but it's like, I just love the idea of like, again, Pierre being able to get forward a bit more and not just have to sort of always be thinking defense first. Um, so he is able to burst forward because he loves making these like bursting runs, even though he's not that quick. Um, he mm. loves getting forward and he loves looking for these passes. And like, that's not an easy pass to make to Kane. Um, and it was just so just like perfectly hit. Um, and then, yeah, Kane, Kane puts it away, thankfully. Mm. 
Thankfully. He's back. He's back. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> well, I think it's in stark uh, contrast to like in the Arsenal game, for example, like a couple of chances Kane missed were, you know, there was one semi-similar to that and it was just nowhere close. Whereas mm. this, as soon as it um, fell to him, like he just looked so composed and it looked like, you know, our standard old Harry is back in that sense. Um, and I thought just in general, Kane did look a bit better in this game than he has um, for us in any game he's played really this season. Yeah, I agree. I thought this was his best game this year. Um, when the when his goal got called offside, it was one of those uh, rare times where I was genuinely right about the fact that it was onside. Like I couldn't, eat, like I could not comprehend that it could possibly have been offside. And then when you, like even the commentators uh, midway through the replay, they were like, well, you know, he's offside. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, oh, hang on. <laughs> and you can see, I can't remember who it was that's playing him on, but it's like he's so onside. Mm. Um, the fact that it took as long as it did to realise that that was the case was baffling to me. I've got Yeah, I've got a feeling it might have been Mankio who was playing at fullback kept him onside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I think I just got into the phase. I'm in the. I'm in the situation now where, like, whenever there is a, a goal by VR, which is offside, even if it's not called offside, I'm like, it's probably going to be offside somewhere, or like five minutes ago, it clipped someone's like fingernail, and then they're going to go back and find that and rule it out and everything. So I think I'm quite pessimistic now when goals are scored because I'm just like, by default, it's offside in my head until proven mm. otherwise, which mm-hmm. is. Um, it's like, yeah, it's guilty until proven otherwise. So, which is, it's like, sounds really pessimistic, but I think that's just happened from how we've, we've had VAR in the game for the last couple of seasons. Um, but then you still see how it's implemented in the new, um, sorry, the Liverpool game where um, I forget who plays the ball through, but they play it through to, to Salah. And then the Salah is offside. The defender slides to clear it um, to stop it getting to Salah. And then it ends up falling to Firmino who taps it in, mm-hmm. but then they mm-hmm. go, oh, Salah was not involved in the play because he, mm. so therefore it's not offside where it's like the ball is being passed to him and the defender tries to intercept, like he's clearly involved in the play. So I think it's like, it's, yeah, this whole offside situation is still not right. And there are still a few flaws in the system, but it's just so, it feels so good to be on the right side of a call for once rather than yeah. having, um, you know, a few times in the past and over the last season where it's like we get cold for offside and it's just so shattering. Yeah, yeah, totally. I just have like the memory of uh, I think it might have been 17, 18 when or maybe it was 18, 19 when Sonny was uh, called offside against Leicester and it was a very important game uh, and we ended up losing, I think, or drawing maybe. And it was clearly like these, it would be given onside now. Like it was just such a stupid decision. So yeah, it feels good to have one go our way, but also what felt good was seeing the players get around Harry, you know, cause after a VAR call like that, usually it's just like, Oh, it is a goal. Great. But as soon as it gets called, like <laughs> Reggie, like borderline spear tackles him. Um, they all get around him, which was really nice to watch. Yeah. I think it was nice to see that team unity. Like that's a good point that, yeah, when watching that, you see them all. Like you see, it was focusing on Harry, just kind of like standing there waiting for the call. And then, yeah, you hope that it's it, it's not just given goal. And then Harry's like, "Oh yeah, okay, cool." And then we move on. Um, so it was nice, I guess, for the team unity to see them all um, jump all over him and show like, "Cool, like you know, it means a lot to this whole team that Harry's gotten off the mark." Um, that like there is there is some sort of togetherness there, despite the commentators wanting to try and tell us every three seconds how much the squad despises Nuno at the training ground. And <laughs> like it's get brought, it's get, sorry, this gets brought up every game. I, I get annoyed about this because it gets brought up all the time by commentators where it's like, there's some s- ridiculous story in the press of like, Nuno's not nice to the players at the training ground. And he's a bit mean in the cafeteria. And then it gets rep- like the sky rep- um, commentators, they start talking about it in the games and, and all that. And it's like, this is just ridiculous. Like, you know, you never used to have like Martin Tyler, like an incredible commentator. Um, he never would get into this sort of stuff. He'd never start talking about, um, you know, this like ridiculous gossip. Um, mm. And I think it's just kind of, it just gets so frustrating when you hear that stuff constantly as a Spurs fan of like, 
it's it's either like Harry Kane leaving and like they were they're even debate you know previously they were debating Harry Kane leaving in other games where Spurs weren't even playing, um, and it's just like it's really tiring <laughs> to just like mm. constantly hear that, um, but then, you know, wherever the money is, that never gets questioned. No, 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 that doesn't get questioned either. Which brings us to the next point because obviously there was a big. Um, uh, uh, unfortunate event that happened where uh, someone collapsed in the crowd due to um, a heart attack or cardiac arrest or something. And um, up until that point, uh, the commentary, and I've tried to watch the Sky Sports stream because apparently Martin Tyler, when Endon Bele scores that goal, is just completely unfazed about it. And the Sky Sports have been building up how awesome it is and that the Newcastle have been bought. And then we swap once that happens to... Um, everyone being extremely concerned about this guy, you know, rightly so, who has has gone ill and um, has been saved by Sergio Reguilón <laughs> and uh, Eric Dyer. Um, but at the same time, it's just so painfully ironic the amount of sympathy this one man has gotten compared to the fact that Newcastle has just been bought by uh, a syndicate that is not the, is not Saudi Arabia, but is Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia commits horrific, horrific acts against humans. You know, they kill journalists, they lock people up for no reason, they torture people. Mm-hmm. Women were the, allowed to drive for the first time a couple of years ago. Like, it's horrific, and it's just I can't believe because of the distance, I guess, between the new owners and what happens in Saudi Arabia versus the immediacy of this guy collapsing, you know, it's, it's, we can all sort of relate to that, but just to take a step back, it's like, well, I'm really pleased that this guy's okay. But at the same time, there are so many people in Saudi Arabia that aren't. And because of the way the countries run, it's just, I thought the coverage and some of the behavior of the Newcastle fans was disgusting. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with that. Overall, because I guess like the overall point here is that it's not to say not show any, um, you know, empathy to the fan in the stadium. Oh, no, no. And like that yeah. was very, that was warranted and that was, um, you know, it was a very sort of like, you know, um, it must have been a very stressful time for everyone there to to sort of see that and and be a part of that. But yeah, to I guess it's like to show that empathy, but then also we're just turning a complete blind eye to um, everything that this sovereign state sort of stands for and what they're responsible for doing. Um, it's, yeah, it's really kind of like, I just find it overall just like a little bit depressing in that sense. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's sort of like this takeover. It just feels like every time something like this happens, it's like, I don't want to over like overreact or overstate it, but it just feels like a bit like football is dying a little bit more. Mm. when this sort of stuff happens because especially as we had this huge thing earlier in the year about the um the super league and everything like that and how uh, how everyone rallied together fans all came together to rally together and stop that try and get this money out of football but then you have a situation which mirrors what the hypotheticals are um are for a lot of fans of a lot of clubs like a lot of spurs fans are often talking about um if you're like you know if you don't mind Daniel Levy and you'll be asking other fans, well, who do you want? Would you prefer a sovereign state to just come in and buy us? And then you get fans going like, no, of course not. Or some fans, yeah, I don't care. But then Mm. it feels like, okay, great. This is what's happened to Newcastle. Like they've had an owner who they have not been a fan of for a long time. Um, And now they've been bought out and it seems like, I don't want to speak for most Newcastle fans because um, it's like very difficult, I think, to put everyone in a box on it. But I'm a little bit surprised, I guess, at how many people don't seem to care and how many people are just like, oh, finally we got rid of like, you know, Mike Ashley, but now oh, fine, great. We're going to like put money in and win and it's who cares about anything. Mm. Um, mm. And so I think I just find that really, really, you know, depressing and even like Amanda Staley's comments about the training ground where she's like, well, thankfully, you know, um, the training ground and, and redoing that, it's that's not subject to financial fair play. And it's like even making those sort of comments, it's like you're already flagging that like you were going to try and do whatever you can to like get around financial fair play and it's really not the best interest of anything in hand. 
sorry, of the game in hand if like if we're talking about that. So this just like makes me upset overall. And it's not mm. because it's not our club, because I wouldn't want this to happen to our club. But it's just like, you know, when is this going to stop? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I two things. One, I, I bear absolutely no ill will towards Newcastle fans who, you know, they've got no say in who owns the club. They have an owner that is very unpopular, um, sucks money out of the club, the thing that they, you know, invest their money into and invest their time into. Uh, he goes... And you get bought by a new bunch of owners who say they're going to invest and they have lots of money to do so. I can totally understand the sort of like dissonance between like the 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 witch is dead. Now we bring in the new witch. I don't I don't know what the analogy is, but like um, uh, the that can there is a there is a limit there between being like, well, I don't have any control over this, and I'm. I'm glad Mike Ashley's gone to uh, I don't have any control over this. I'm really pleased about it. And I'm going to dress up in Saudi Arabian garb (laughs) at the ground and celebrate this country. It's like that, that's a, that's a very, very different thing to um, just having to deal with what's happened. And along what you said before about the, on the back of all the Super League stuff, like we saw on Sky and, you know, uh, here, even on Optus and uh, I can't remember the name of the other big broadcaster, BT, um, you know, this unity of, no, don't take our football away. Like this is, this is important. It means something to people, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then when Newcastle get bought by uh, a sovereign state that's committed atrocious acts. It's like, woohoo, how exciting. There's all this money. Newcastle are going to be so good now. Like, it's like it's very clear where these people's interests lie. They didn't have a stake in the broadcasting of the Super League. So, therefore, it was very easy to come out against it. They do, however, have a stake in the Premier League being this huge multinational competition, which it already is. And the idea of more money being pumped into that equates maybe to more money for them. And so you've seen almost no criticism. Like, you know, one of the things I heard on the broadcast was like, um, yes, Newcastle have new owners, um, which is a little, have been a little bit controversial for some people. It's like, (laughs) what? (laughs) That's not like, you know, it's, it's ridiculous to just go like, you kind of say, oh, they've been a little bit controversial for some people. (laughs) Oh no. Well, you address the topic. What are you talking about? Didn't you hear (laughs) where we said it was a bit controversial? It's yeah. like it's not controversial because, like, by our laws and standards and morals, it's not even controversial. Like, it's just yeah. messed up and completely wrong and disgusting and an abuse of human rights. Yeah. Um, the thing that's also come out from all this is that, you know, my understanding of the whole situation was that when when um, uh, the Saudi investment fund tried to buy, well, sorry, the I forget what their what their proper name is, the mm. um uh, the international the public investment fund sorry yeah the public investment fund for saudi arabia um yeah. when they tried to buy the club initially and got rejected um you had this feeling of the premier league being like oh, okay maybe they are starting to push back a bit and they're concerned about you know some of the human rights stuff and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. cool all right and then it really comes out that all that the premier league were convinced about was the fact that um that um being sports from uh, out of Qatar, Saudi, the there were like Saudi pirate channels who were like rebroadcasting that um, for free, and then Saudi Arabia go, "Yep, you know what? We're going to stop those pri- um, pirate broadcasts." And the Premier mm. League go, "Okay, cool. We see no issues here." Yeah, and I feel like there's an intern that's going, uh, "Boss, what about um, <laughs> I don't know, what about the just killing journalists and chopping them up yeah. and stuff?" And it's like, so "Get out. You're fired." Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it was so ridiculous that it's like, it seemed like their big hurdle was just that, you know, pirating the streams as opposed to the far more important things of like, you know, abusing human rights. And so yeah. far, I think the only manager I've seen that's come out has been Klopp, who has mm. um, questioned it a bit. And this was a few days ago saying, you know, he's not sure why there hasn't been an explanation of like why this bid was allowed to then go through given the human rights issues. Mm. Um and I think that to me as well, this all speaks to a wider issue in the game that we, I don't think there's enough um, 
there aren't enough clubs, players, coaches, managers, everyone, um, chairman, everything speaking out about more human rights type issues. Mm. Um, and like, for example, I've been critical of Kane in the past of like, he's captain of England. Um, he's a leader of Spurs. He's quiet on everything. He never says anything. You have mm. someone like Rashford who does a lot of charity work um, and right, rightfully gets praised for that. But then you've got Ole saying, you know, I, th- oh, I think you should focus on his football. Uh-huh. And it's like, what is his greatest achievement? It's going to be nothing that he does on the pitch. Everything else he's done off it is far greater than anything he could ever do for Manchester United. Yeah. So yep. it's just so ridiculous to me of like how it's like everyone just stays quiet on these things and we don't have anyone coming out against this or we don't ever have a player coming out and going like, you know what? I feel morally compromised enough that I don't want to play for this club because of their owners and where that money comes from. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And I I thought maybe, I mean, you know, the, the career of a professional footballer is a lot more fraught, I think, than we realise in terms of maintaining employment and, and or everything that comes with it. And uh, the I, I, I still expected some Newcastle players to go, because some of them, which I know you're going get, to get onto later, there's no chance that they're going to be there for very much longer. And so I would figure that some of them might actually just be like, well, even based on the like, well, I'm going to be gone anyway, so I might as well, you know, say something about this. Um, but no, no one, no, no one has. Um, so yeah, I agree. Well, I'd love to see a bit more um, discourse around uh, human rights, um, you know, but don't bring foot, don't bring politics into football at the same time, you know? Yeah, that's right. Don't don't want to tarnish our beautiful football with yeah. with anything else. Even though, yeah. you know, when we actually look at it, so I was doing a little bit of uh, research into this, um, and mm-hmm. when I say research into this, it's looking at Wikipedia. So let's yeah, like <laughs> let's just be clear. Like I don't, yeah, don't want to yeah. say, um, but that counts as research these days. Like, yeah. oh look what I yeah. found on the computer. The whole world missed it. I found it on a Wikipedia <laughs> yeah. page. Yeah. So it must be yeah. true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shout out to all the conspiracy theorists out there who just operate yeah, like it that. It also had, <laughs> after the <laughs> sentence, it had a bracket that said citation needed. I don't know what that means and I don't care. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter though. It's written here. It's real. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting when you actually look at the Premier League and you look at the owners and you look at the amount of foreign ownership in the league mm. and you also look at the wealth of these owners because as Spurs fans, we're very critical of Levy as a whole, like um, of Levy and... and uh, and the absolute devil, Joe Lewis, oh, <laughs> um, yeah. sitting on his yacht with his gold toilet. Um, it's like ridiculous when you look at it and you go, okay, from the numbers I have here, you know, Joe mm-hmm. Lewis um, and uh, Daniel Levy combined worth $4.9 billion. I assume this is in US dollars, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, Bonnie, I'm just going to give you a couple of clubs and I want you just to guess if they are worth more or less than Spurs, the owners. Okay? Yeah. Okay, sure. Aston Villa. More. That is correct. Their owner's worth yes. $10.4 billion. Wow. So almost twice as much. Um, what about, let's say, oh, I don't know, Southampton? Or less. Less, $4 billion. Yes. Leeds. Oh, um, less. $4 billion, correct. Yes. What about Crystal Palace? Uh, were they just more? Yep, correct. Five point seven billion. Um, and then lastly, Wolves. Oh, this one I really don't know. Um, I'm going to say more. Correct. Nine billion. Oh. So yeah, we often go around saying that you know Spurs are owned by a billionaire. Blah 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 blah. We should be pumping all this money into it. There are a lot of clubs who are worth more than us in terms, like as in their owners are worth far more than us. Even if you go down into the championship, Barnsley's owners are worth a combined 9.1 billion. Fulham's owners are worth almost 8 billion. So even QPR, their owners are worth 15.5 billion. Mm. So it's like, I think there really needs to be like a greater discussion around all this because, you know, you've got these, a lot of these owners buying into like the championship now. Um, yeah. And you've even got some in League One, like there's nothing really of note, but still some who are worth like half a billion buying a League One team. Um, and it's like, 
you've got to really wonder what that's for. If they are like, you know what, I'm really passionate about football. I really love it. Or is something else going on? And I, I, and I don't mean that necessarily everything is a criminal activity, but do they really care about the club? Like, are they just trying to buy in to what could be a very sort of profitable league and everything to be a part of? Is it a sports washing thing, depending on what other stuff that they're involved with as well? And I just think now it's like we're at the stage where ownership of football clubs, it's never really questioned. And it hasn't been questioned for a long time. And it really doesn't seem to be changing at all. Mm. Like, and now yeah. we've got a, this, the Newcastle's owners are worth 250 billion. Yeah. Yep. 250 billion. That is ridiculous. Like they're not questioned. You're right. It's just, and, and I didn't know that, you know, those were majority just guesses of who has, you know, what kind of wealth behind them. Um, and you don't, you don't ever stop and think like, I, I, there's no space to be like, Daniel Levy has made these mistakes. And for that, I don't like him, but he's also done these things, which are good. And so for that, I think that's great. Um, how he's managed this has been good. How he's managed this has been bad. It's, it's just, he's, you're either like some kind of like sympathizer um, to Daniel Levy or, or you're like so anti him that you, you like legally aren't allowed to be in the same room. Like it's, it's so, it's so dichotomous in the way it's set up. And, and you're right. There is like football teams are worth lots of money um, and they're purchased for lots of money. Their profits are pretty good, but for people with this much money, there are lots of other things that they could invest in that would be far greater in their returns. So it's like, what, why is it, is it just like a, because, you know, for me, someone who <laughs> is a student, I'm like, yeah, if I had a heap of money, I'd buy a football club because <laughs> I'm just like, oh, it'd be fun. But what, you know, like what is the actual motivation behind it? Um, yeah. Definitely. And it's it's like, yeah, like I haven't gone into, into depth and gone through each of these owners and, and tried to pull up dirt on each of them and see exactly what their um, what their real motivations are. But you know, it's so clear that this Saudi purchase of Newcastle is sports washing at its finest. Mm, yeah. And yeah. it's like we like the world just doesn't seem to care about it. And, you know, without sort of turning this into a whole sort of um, tangent, well, it, this already is a whole sort of tangent yeah, that we're on here. <laughs> but, like, it just takes me back to even thinking, you know, you have Messi leaving Barcelona Tearing up, poor Messi at the, you know, Barcelona. Oh, I've been here for so long. I've made like hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, I would have stayed here for half my wages, but my club has just abused financial rules, so I can't do that. Where am I going to go? Oh, will I go to a club that my like dad supported when he was younger? Or like, will I go to some other club that's like just, you know, a more of a sort of like quaint little club and give them like the best experience that their fans will ever have ever? Or will I go to PSG, one of the finest examples of sports washing? And yeah. like, it's like we still just follow around Messi like he's some god. And why don't we question these sort of things? Mm. Why don't we actually question these things from players instead of always just going like, well, it's their right to go make as much money as they want. And on one hand, yeah, that's true. But like, shouldn't we have higher standards for for people who are such prominent public figures like this when in other facets of life we criticize people a lot more if they are wealthy and don't do things with it mm, yeah yeah i i think you're totally right it, it it needs to the discourse around it needs to be opened up um and needs to be opened up looking at them uh, their decisions as a person rather than just their skill on the football field um because like you know there's people like uh eric dyer for instance who um, you know, he's got a, he's just finished a degree. He works with, I can't remember what the charity is. He is like very passionate about sustainability. Like, you know, he, he's got all these other facets to him, which you know, you're like, this guy's a really good dude. Like he doesn't have to do any of this. He, he can do the, um, you know, he, he's not going to be going to PSG, but like, you know, he, this doesn't need to be, you know, part of his daily activities, but it is. And so I, yeah, I just, I just think we need to be able to talk about it and not in terms of, it's, it's a bit like um, when people get angry that you criticize uh, their, their club's owner. Um, and they're like, well, 
well, my owner actually, you know, did this. It's like, yeah, they're all owned by billionaires. All of these people have probably done horrible things. Like, we don't need to go my owner versus you, <laughs> your owner. Like, it's about the fact that we are, uh, like, the people that watch football <laughs> and and engage in the product rather than, you know, rather than being uh, sort of partisan in defending our club or its owner's decisions. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I definitely agree, like, it shouldn't become into, like, a my owner versus your owner thing, apart from mm. when your owner is a sovereign state that commits horrible crimes. Yeah, uh, that's hor- it. Yeah, horrible, yeah. well-publicized crimes. <laughs> but, yeah, it is the whole greater issue around it. And I just wonder where the tipping point is going to come because mm. now Saudi Arabia, get, they get away with this. So I don't know how many more sovereign states there are looking who would be looking at football clubs who don't kind of already have them. I guess like mm. PSG's owners could possibly look to, you know, buy a Premier League team um, or get into get into England somehow. But this kind of just opens the door to, all right, it doesn't actually matter now. And so I'm just like, where does this stop? Like, where does mm. it actually stop? And it's like, Newcastle, we can pretty much guarantee that within a few seasons now, they will be challenging for the title. There'll be a regular top four team. Um, unless everything goes pear-shaped and this, these owners pull out somehow and sell the club or something, um, they're going to be up there. They're going to be competing for that. And we are effectively creating like a super league within the Premier League um, when we were so against it initially. Um, mm. And I don't mean to go round and round in circles here, but it's like it's just, you know, you've got like Chelsea City and now Newcastle who have got so much more money than everyone else. Like that's already eating up pretty much all the Champions League spots for the Premier League. and you know, it's it's just very kind of like it's just sad that it's become such a who has the most money competition as to who wins. And you'll get some teams who slip up one season, even if they are rich and loaded. But overall, um, it's like it's really taking away, I think, a lot of the competition from sport when it is just run in such a capitalist fashion. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm so excited to watch what happens with Newcastle. Because uh, getting back to the football, um, the the game, they were terrible. Their players are terrible, apart from Callum Wilson and St. Maximin. Just horrific. And, like, they might get relegated. And if they get relegated, then what happens? Like, what do these new owners do? Um, what how, how can they spend their money uh, or how can they slip through loopholes to, to buy um, the players that they need to rejuvenate the entire squad like it's a city had some pieces when they got taken over like there was some semblance of of a functional team there that's not the case here like they have to it's almost like they need to get rid of everyone and start again um so i'm really fascinated to see how that goes and how long it takes them to get to that sort of like top four uh status like are they going to go out in january and buy mbappe no probably not but like are they going to go down that route or are they going to um, appear to be developing players and buy like superstar young people, uh, young people, young players? Um, <laughs> just populate it with young people. I would love that just idea. young people. <laughs> it's like we're just looking yeah. for promising young people. We don't care if they play football or not. Yeah, we want Let's Greta Thunberg. <laughs> we want... <laughs> we want Malala. Greta Thunberg. We want Greta Thunberg. We want... <laughs> Greta Thunberg. That's where the list ends of promising young people. Um, yeah. Malala. Um, oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. But you know, uh, I, and then I, I was hmm? just going to say that I think like this is, a, this is a good point. Like if they did get relegated, like if Newcastle plays so badly before January that they are so many points off it that it's just going to be impossible for really to, to claw that back, that would be the best ever. However, I still think it would just delay things for one year. Because mm. it might mean like, okay, they can't quite invest as much money to like um, to fit in with financial fair play, even though like City PSG, like they've already shown that financial fair play is just a complete farce and it's not enforced anyway. Um, so, but I still think it would just mean like, okay, cool. We can't quite afford all the superstars we want now, but we can definitely buy a team with enough players to guarantee us getting back up into the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then it's just on. And then, then it's just on like they have the, it's the like they are so so much wealthier than every other club in the world, so much more. 
So as soon as like it, the floodgates open, um, yeah, I, like they're going to go big. I can't see them not trying to make some signings in January and not trying to make a big splash because I think like they first need to make, like if their first signing is a big, decent signing, that is going to really set the tone for the rest of their project. Mm. If they sign, you know, Mings from <laughs> like get, get him mm. in like a solid Premier League level center back, but that's not really going to say like, cool, we are actually, you know, here to like to try and stay up. Like they are going to need some real talent to come in. Because if you yeah. have Joel Linton in your team, <laughs> if you have Joel Linton, like it's almost guaranteed relegation with him just being on the pitch. Absolutely. Um, and I know, I think you've got some great uh, pieces of information about our friend, uh, Joe Linton. But before uh, we do go there, I just want to say, I, as part of the whole thing, I'm really fascinated about A, who they bring in in, uh, in place of Steve Bruce, because it's pretty clear he's going. But at this point, who's, who, who is coming in? to manage this, this group of like, do they have to wait until January and then they can be like, okay, new manager, we're doing this and that you'll have these players and blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, and like, who do they instill as a director of football or in charge of transfers? Like, do they go like, let's get Ed Woodward in. And then he spends like <laughs> 91 million pounds on Harry Maguire. Like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel like they will find – I don't think Bruce is going to last. There's no way. There's no. absolutely no way. Um, I'm surprised he wasn't sacked after that game. And that's sort of dig at Steve Bruce because he doesn't have much to work with there. But I feel like he's going to get sacked pretty soon. I think they will find someone because whoever's coming in knows how much money they have as well. And in whatever contract they negotiate, they're going to have a clause in there, which is like you'll have a pretty decent buyout even if you just get re relegated or – Whatever. Mm. So it's a pretty cushy job to just come into for like with like your expectations are, I want to say they're low in a sense because of how bad the team is. So it's any positive results you get, you're a miracle worker. Um, mm. But it's like, look, if anyone can get anything out of Joe Linton, if anything, I'm sorry, but I can't, I can't let it go with him. He's, <laughs> his stats from the weekend. So 95 minutes played, zero goals, zero assists, one key pass. Zero accurate crosses, zero shots, zero successful dribbles. How many times did he lose possession? 24. <laughs> like, what is that That stat set? And when you look at him, like, his numbers, he scored six league goals for Newcastle in 76 games. Now, we're not just talking about a, a player who hasn't really worked out and who offers a lot to his game in terms of a lot of assists and anything else. He doesn't. Um, he was... He was bought for 40 million pounds. Oh. So this probably speaks more to the incompetence of like Mike Ashley's, you know, when he was in charge. But it's like, I am just so, I don't understand. My brain freezes up whenever I look at this guy because watching him play, it's like he's just this like big physical player and he's got nothing else. Like his touches are so bad, so bad. Um, I just like, it's it's just almost it's just it, in a way it's funny if it wasn't so sad from all the other things we're talking about that like the team that have now the richest club in the world have Joe Linton playing for them as their setter forward and a player which mm. is so bad and it's like they are the worst team in the league they should go down and like it's ridiculous like seeing the seeing the owners celebrate so much after the first goal and look so happy to then seeing their like faces afterwards just being so oh. depressed and maybe realizing how much like you know how much work there is to be done um mm. it's 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 ridiculous i'm just uh, I'm, one thing it's ridiculous one thing i lo i loved about our approach uh after going down and then coming back to be three one up um after that really well worked um goal from sonny who got the tap in in the end was that the attitude seemed to be not just we're better than you. It was like, we're better than you and we're going to hold your face down in the mud and, uh, and then occasionally lift it up so we can show you how good we are. And then we're just going to do that. Like we, like I haven't seen us dominate a team like that in a very long time. Like there are, there are Europa conference league matches where we have not looked as dominant as that. Um, and again, it was, um, 
really uh, exciting to see us. I mean, it's we almost had to play with the ball because I'm not sure how many passes they can string together. But, like, it was really exciting to see us play, you know, possession football. Not that I'm obsessed with it, like everyone seems to be. Um, but also press. We pressed. I read some stat that we pressed. The level that we pressed in this game is equal to, like, the the crazy high-pressing teams, like Klopp Liverpool when they were doing it more, or Pochettino Spurs. We, got, we were there, which is awesome. Yeah, <clears throat> which is great. Mm. And it's like... I think from recent years we've shown that we do love we love a we love a pressing team like yeah like and I because I and I guess that really comes from Pochettino and how we're playing under him and um you know that was so like we we got so behind that team and now fans just lament and they keep talking about it and like I don't want I don't like going back to the past and keep keep talking about Pochettino's team and all that sort of stuff but just I guess playing again with some of that energy that we haven't seen the team play in it with a few years um and. It was a bit like unrelenting in a way. Like we could have and probably should have scored, you know, five, six goals um, mm. in this game. Like we had 65% possession. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> that's like kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's like I think now I'm definitely coming back around to like how we can play under Nuno. Because, like, if the last two games show how we can play under Nuno when we're playing well and, you know, when things are going right, like, it's an exciting watch. Like, I thought this was an exciting game. Um, the fullbacks we haven't spoken about yet, but I thought, mm. like, um, I thought, again, Royale, like, you know, he he got caught out once or twice, but overall I think he's going to develop into, like, a really solid fullback um, and the most solid right back we've had for, you know, quite a long time. Um, yeah. Probably since, like, you know... You could argue Trippier, but I even say like since Walker. Um, yeah. But, oh, Reggie. How good was it just seeing like Reggie oh. coming back into it? He's another player that we've criticized a little bit and saying that he seems to have fallen off. But this seemed to be like he was back. He was high flying. He was getting forward. Um, he was getting – and he was getting back too. Like this was a, a much better, I think, overall performance from him. It was phenomenal. I think it's his best performance in a Spurs shirt. And I, I hope – that when he came in, we were advised that he was a good attacking fullback and crap defensively. And then we saw the good attacking that disappeared and maybe Mourinho like broke him and he became like very defensive. And now, you know, we've seen it a little bit, but especially in this game, there was attacking high flying Reggie and he was able to do some great things defensively. So um, I, yeah, I hope that continues. Like we haven't had, like you said, good fullbacks, like both, competent fullbacks on either side in so long. And like, I think Emerson is such a seemingly underrated signing. Like he is, he's really solid already. Um, and I think he's hopefully, but from what I've seen, I assume he's just going to become uh, better and better. So, and obviously Romero as well is such, such a good addition. Yeah. Like the way he just charges out of defense is fan. And I know it's going to eventually end up with him getting a red card but like so far, awesome. I think that's fine. And I think like you look at the net result from having Romero in and I think overall it's positive. As in like mm. oh, oh, now it is, of course, definitely. But I mean, even long-term, if it's like, sure, he might give away some a couple of free kicks. He might get a red card here and there. He might get sent off. He might, whatever. He might give away a penalty. Who knows? Um, but overall, I think what he brings to us is um, – you know, it's like it's something we've lacked so much. Um, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of like, and this is probably sticks to like where I think Dyer is okay for now. And like I quite mm. like Dyer, but I think he's he's okay for now. But long term, we really need an upgrade on Dyer. And it's like yeah. if we go back to like, say when you had like Ledley King and Michael Dawson together, like mm -hmm. you had Michael Dawson as like the real energetic one jumping in front of everything would block more shots than a keeper would stop like, and getting around. And then you just had the absolute class master, just Ledley, who was cool, calm, composed, never got a single booking in his career. Like ridiculous. Like now it's like Romero really fits into that sort of like energetic category that we, mm. we've sort of, we've lacked for at least a season or two. Um, uh, you could maybe say Vertonghen when he was like at his peak. Had yeah. had a bit of that as well, and then Toby was a little bit more sort of composed. But it's really great to see that we've got a really aggressive defender in there. 
which is something that we've we've really and we've lacked that in defensive midfield as well for a few years. So, mm. look, I just think ultimately we just get a, a, an upgrade on Dyer and someone who you know is just a real cool head at the back there, and then that's a really really solid back four um, mm. that I think can like you know turn into a, a a team that gets us back you know challenging top four again. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, should we do the a bit Spursy medal votes? Let's do the Is there anything else you wanted to cover? Um, probably the only other thing would be just giving, I, I guess, a shout out to uh, to Skip as well. Like some of the tackles he got in, well, I think they were like excellent. Um, mm. And also, I think again, Lucas, I think he had a pretty decent game. He like and the the work he did in that goal, like he made that third goal. Mm. Um, and I think it's like. You know, Lucas is one of those players which we might not love that we have him, but he's so coys. Um, I think in the <laughs> team photo from this season, like the only three players who are smiling in it are um, Royale, Sonny, and Lucas. Um, and I'm like, everyone else has got this such super serious face, like it's the end of the world. But I'm just like, yeah. I can't help but like Lucas just because of like, you know, he always does put in, even if it doesn't work out for him. And he is, he's so like, he loves interacting with fans. Um, I think he's like, I'm, I'm happy with Lucas being in the squad at the moment. Ultimately, again, is he someone who we would upgrade? Yes, definitely. But mm. I think it's like, if we are going to criticize Lucas whenever he plays poorly, we need to give him some credit when he does play well. And when he does, you know, get involved with some moves and like, you know, create this goal with some lovely play between him and, and Dombele and then slotting through Kane and, and everything. So they're probably just the only two other players that, you know, just to give a little bit of a shout out for, because I thought they played, they played pretty well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, especially on the Lucas thing of, you know, we tear him to shreds, but when he has a good game, it's kind of like, well, he wasn't his usual terrible self, so I can't really remember what happened. But he, you know, like he, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he had a great game, and um, if he plays like that, you know, uh, more regularly than he has, like awesome. But yeah, you're right. He does need to be upgraded. Like the the ideal uh, position for Lucas is coming off the bench at 70 minutes or 80 minutes, and um, either getting long balls hit to him or harassing the other team or what you know whatever. Like totally. That. What did you think about the fact that uh, we didn't make a sub at all? I was going to say the like odd, but I yeah. don't know what the thinking was there. Maybe it's because I don't know. Maybe it was just to get a full 90 minutes together with that team again and mm. kind of, you know, seeing how the team was playing in a pretty good rhythm, just give them that experience of like, cool. All right, go out there, finish this. This Newcastle team should be, you know, torn apart. And it's but like Shelby's red card. Like what even was that? Oh. <laughs> that was so ridiculous. <laughs> like, so ridiculous. That was insane. Um, like it was such a red card. Like it was, and he just comes on and then yellow. All right. It was like, why would you do that? You were down three one. It's not like it's like you would. It was a draw, and this is such a valuable point that you risk getting sent off. It mm. was so ridiculous. Um, it was insane, and like it was Reggie as well. Like, not a known goal. <laughs> like, if it was Hung Min Sun, that would maybe make it a little bit more justifiable. Yeah. But it, even then, it, it's not. But the fact that he, instead of being like, it's it's going to be okay. Like you know, I don't. Has Reggie scored for us in the Premier? I can't remember, but like have some acknowledgement of wh- who you're tackling. Um, yeah, it was, it was bananas. Yeah. So I think overall to answer to like, yeah, I just think it was maybe just to give the team um, after the international break, cool, let's give everyone like 90 minutes together and in a game which we were so in control of and, you know, it, it wasn't a game where we would have ran ourselves into the ground. Like mm. even though we you talked earlier about like we did a lot of pressing in that, as the game progressed, it's like we weren't really playing at like this epic, epic tempo for the whole match. So I think it was probably that, in which case I didn't mind it. But I do think like what you said overall about Lucas is a really good point that, you know, having him as a squad player would actually be really great. And like, you know, if we did have, um, you know, a real solid sort of, um, you know, wider player in there, whether that becomes like something that like Brian Hill or like Bergwijn or um, someone like that, or whether we need to sort of invest in someone else. Um, but yeah, I think like I like Lucas being the squad and – you know, I think he offers a lot. And I think, yeah, he would be great coming off the bench because of his also his defensive work too, that you know he's not just a, a you know, a pacing winger who's just going to come on and 
can't, you know, get stuck in if we need to hang on to a lead in the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You're totally right. So, yeah, I think like you said, yeah, let's do let's do a bit Spursy metal. Great. Um, um, do you want me to go first or do you yeah, want to go first? Y- you can go first. Okay. This, I mean, this week it's 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 easy. Um, I'm giving three to Reggie uh, for um, his performance and also for his uh, work uh, getting the game stopped so that guy could get um, attention. I thought that was that was great. And then the way he spoke about it afterwards as well was just so like humble and you know, like it wasn't. I'm a huge hero now. He was just sort of stated the what happened and and what he did it was it was really cool and i um just made me like him even more um two votes has got to be for pierre like what a performance that was like a just a total as my mum would say a total rip snorter and i'm not so not sure what that means um but uh, i'm gonna go with it and then one vote i'm gonna give to uh end on ballet because he just it's like time and space uh just sort of relative terms to him that he can break at any point. Um, some of his dribbling and, you know, he ran the most of any player on the pitch, um, <laughs> you know, and did it for 90 minutes. Um, uh, so everyone that says that he's lazy can, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a way to say it without swearing. Um, <laughs> get, get tossed. <laughs> Somehow that sounds more offensive. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, great. Any uh, yeah. any encouragement vo- uh, encouragement award votes or any negative votes? Uh, yeah, 0. 0.5 uh, to Skippy um, for an encouragement award. Again, I'm just trying to make my, uh, my peace with him after being so critical. Um, and, but no, apart from... Apart from that, no more encouragements. And then negative, um, negative 200 to the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I don't have any negative votes. No, that to, counts. To no, give it's out. negative 200 to the. Okay. Because yep. I want that on the sheet at the end of the season. <laughs> All right. That's, that's it then. <laughs> um, wonderful. Wonderful. Um, my votes are probably not too dissimilar. Um, I'm giving three to Reggie as well mm-hmm. um, for all the reasons you said. And I think, yeah, I think he showed a lot of maturity uh, with the situation that happened with the fan and that was really great to see. And, yeah, he like, it was a, I think he just re- re-established himself as like, yep, yeah, okay, cool. If we've got Reggie like this, we don't have to worry about left back. Um, mm. We're like, he's coming back. He's a young player who's going to go in and out of form and we need to ride with that. Um, I find it also funny that, you know, you hear rumours of, um uh, of Real Madrid thinking like, oh, they're trying to come back in and like renegotiate with Spurs and, and lower Reggie's buyback fee and everything. And it's like, <laughs> do you know Daniel Levy? Like this is yeah. not going to happen. Like it's yeah. it's comical. Also, we are in nowhere near as bad a financial situation as you are. Mm. So like <laughs> we're not going to, we're not going to entertain like, oh, so you want him back? Yeah, sure. Why don't take less? Take, just give us like 10 mil or something. Like it's mm. ridiculous. So it's hilarious. Like it, why, why initially, you know, it's a bit of a, cause Daniel Levy usually apparently doesn't go in for any kind of buyback clauses and we did it for him. And so the, the idea that then he would then say, yeah, yeah, we'll just reduce it for you for absolutely no reason. Like <laughs> it makes no sense. So, yeah. you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'd really love us sort of, you know, building with him in mind as a solid left back for a, for a long time. Um, so three points to him. I'm giving two points to Tangi um, mm-hmm. because yeah, he was he was great. And again, another player. I'm like, cool. If 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 we're going to be sort of like critical of aspects of his game one week, um, if he starts turning that around, like you know, plays like he did on the weekend, mm. which was really just a, a, a much much better performance. Then it's like, like this is the this is the Tangi that we were hoping um, that we were getting. So I know. I mean, to me, it just we need to work out how to get this consistently from him um, mm. and to consistently get performances like this from him. And, you know, I'm sure he wants to be getting three votes in the Bitspursy medal each week. Of course. Um, yeah. uh, or six all up, you know, from both yeah. of us. But <laughs> I think if we can work out like how to sort of keep him playing at this level and like keep pushing on from where he is now as well, then, you know, that we've 
we do have a pretty special player there and mm. it's a it's a it's a very unique player and i mean that in just a completely glowing way of like you know how he sees the game is just on a level that other players just cannot um and you know it's like a generational talent when you when you can get the most out of a player like that so uh two votes for him there um one vote i'm giving to uh i'm giving it to skip um because mm. i do think that like his defensive work was great. Newcastle, not a great team, but I think Skip also really having him just sweeping in front of the defense, like it really helps with Diane Romero and all the back line overall. Um, and so I think he's like, he's just proving that he's a really important part of that team and he's not mm. in as like the deputy to Hoybier anymore. Definitely not in my mind. No. I'm sort of thinking now it's like, okay, we need to get in a deputy to Skip <laughs> so that yeah. when we sort of rest him, we've got someone to come in. Um, mm. so I think, yeah, I'm giving him one, one vote, uh, giving encouragement award to, uh, Lucas, um, for basically for his role in the goal and everything we spoke about earlier. Um, I'm giving an encouragement vote to Kane as well. Uh, some people might say, uh, Hey guys, you have been unlucky not to give Kane, you know, a full vote, uh, given that he scored and overall he played, um, played much better than he has been. And he got an assist <laughs> as well. Mm. <laughs> um, but I think it's like. We know that once Kane starts coming good, he's going to be clearing up votes as well. So um, that's fine. Give an encouragement to encouragement to him, and I'm going to also give. I'm going to you know double double your money, whatever, uh, and give mm. another negative two hundred to the Saudi uh, public investment fund as well, just to ensure there's no way they can claw back and win the bit Spursing medal at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very important to uh, make sure that. So I, I I do this every week, but I forgot to give um a point five vote uh, again to end on ballet for I don't know if you saw the footage of everyone's jostling for a corner and he comes up and puts his head on Dyer's back and does this oh. weird like that was hilarious. And like and Dombele was laughing and like Dyer yeah. was also kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it was then, like it was uh, such a nice moment. It was so nice mm. like to see him having fun on the pitch, I think is a is a nice thing to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as part of that point five as well. Um, if you haven't seen, you should definitely watch the video of him and Sonny playing Uno. Um, it's very short, and all it is is Ndombele <laughs> throwing his cards down and yelling, respect me, <laughs> like screaming it. It's phenomenal. You need to watch it. And I want to give uh, a negative one to Harry Winks um, because um, so because rough. he, you know, after the transfer window where we were like, we're going to get rid of him, and he was like, no, I want to stay and fight for my place. Now he's like, no, I want to leave. And it's like, you've done this for like three years, bro. Like, Wait, has leave. he said he's, sorry, has he said he wants to leave? He's, uh, I read some article about how um, he's looking at uh, transfers in January. Okay. Mm. That's fair enough. I was about to say, giving Harry Winks a negative half a point for absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's just absolutely <laughs> savage. But yeah. Yeah, Harry has to go and like for his own career. Like, yeah, I just even just personally, like, not wishing any Ill, Ill will on him, just being like, Harry, for you to continue your career, like, you need to go and play another team now. It's just, it's yeah. just got to happen. So, um, yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, I think that wraps yeah. up the Abit Spursy medal, um, for this week. And, uh, you know, probably we've covered everything we need to cover. So, you know, next week we're back with a special guest party. Yes, we are. We're back with um, uh, Barty from The Extra Inch, uh, which is a fantastic Spurs podcast based in the UK, um, which is very exciting. Um, and we will be covering the – is it West Ham next? It's West Ham this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's maybe my least favourite. Like aside from the the actual rivals, I just hate playing them so much because you know that if they do win – it's a really big deal to them. And then if we win, it's just kind of like, yeah, it's West Ham. Yeah. So, like it yeah. feels like one of those derbies, which is more of a derby for them. Like we're more mm. rivals to them than they are to us. Yeah. Um, and no disrespect to them, but just on the last like, you know, 10 years where they've been and where we've been, it's like mm. our sights and our battles have been turned to like, you know, some tussles with Chelsea, like always mm. with Arsenal, some tussles with City as well. Um, and teams like that and like West Ham were kind of like, oh, what's well, a London derby? So there's something in it, but okay. Whereas <laughs> yeah. I think to West Ham, they're like right up for it. So I think mm. that's where maybe sometimes we get caught out a bit against them that 
it means a bit more to them to beat us than it does for us to beat them. Yeah. So that would yeah, be my right. only concern going into that. But um, yeah, it's nice. There's no midweek game this week. Um, yeah. So it's nice to be, you know, have a full week rest for the players. And then hopefully that means that we will see the, you know, this starting 11 again, which is starting to, you know, nail itself down as a starting 11, um, you know, in for the game against West Ham. Is there definitely no game this uh, week? Um, I didn't think there was. Is there a, is there a <laughs> conference or a... Are we playing conference league? I, I don't know. <laughs> We are look. We are just horrendous with conference league. Like we go, we keep seesawing as well. Like weeks will come on, and we're like, we need to take conference league seriously. Um, yeah. But then we just don't even know when games are on. And we are like, playing. We're playing. We are playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we're playing. Oh, okay, it's yeah. against Vitesse. Um, yeah. Very early Friday morning. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, disregard that last like two minutes of saying, oh, what a great rest we're going to have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, we're playing Conference League. All right. Mm-hmm. So I guess next Monday we'll be doing a Conference League recap and then, yeah. a, but then mainly mm-hmm. still on the West Ham game. So, yeah. All right, I really hope we rotate for con- for Conference League oh, because we, yeah. I, I think it's much more important for us to keep this momentum going in the league at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this isn't really like necessarily, I don't think a must win game in the conference league. So, um, still take it seriously, but let's rotate please. And, you please, know, have yeah. some fresh legs for, for West Ham. Yeah, totally agree. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much for listening to a bit Spursy. I've been Barney. I've been Dan. And come on you Spurs. You've been listening to a bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.